0: You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. So if you will, please stand with me as we stand on the solid rock of God's Word. We're going to read this beautiful hymn, song, poem, word of praise And this is one of the greatest expressions of of Jesus, one of the most amazing pictures of who he is. And I want to set the stage a little bit. Mary had gone to see her kinsman, Elizabeth. Elizabeth was also pregnant. She was with child, and that child just happened to be John the Baptist, who Jesus would later say is the greatest of all men. And I think what he meant by that was he was the last of the Old Testament prophets, so Mary comes into the presence of Elizabeth, and as soon as Elizabeth hears the voice of Mary, Jesus, uh, John the Baptist in Mary's, uh, in Elizabeth's womb, jumps for joy, and worships. So, it's a beautiful picture of worship even at that early stage of the story. And then it's because of all those happenings that Mary says, "This, my soul." And return to her home let's pray thank you Lord for this song these words of Scripture that Luke was so meticulous in writing down thank you for this picture of Mary's heart and for this celebration of your might I pray God that we will feel that might in this room today that your Holy Spirit will speak and move in our midst Change us, God, and let us see what you want us to see. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I wanted to mention the Christmas lights because, well, they're beautiful, and I'm thankful for our ladies who put them up. But often we do think about the Christmas season as the season of lights. Today, what I would like to do is challenge you to think about this season, not as the season of lights, plural, but it's really just about the season of light, singular. Jesus is the light, and we want to turn our attention to this light, because when we have the light of Christ shining in us, that is when we can do the most good for the world. The psalmist, in one of my favorite expressions in Psalm 36, 9, says this, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. And so as we think and ponder on what the psalmist is saying, that song from the Old Testament, that song in Hebrew, what we are uh, brought to, what we see, is that it is God. It is his light that can illuminate all other truths and help us see the path that we are to take in life. I believe that this wonderful little song of Mary, this this beautiful passage of scripture, is helping us see through Christ, through the light of Christ, more of what God is doing in the world. Now I look around in this room and I realize that many of you are professing Christians. If you are here and you profess Christ, I want you to know you are already a testimony that God is at work in the world. When he saved you, he did a great work in your life. But what we're going to do today is we're going to challenge you to think about this, that if God did that great work in your life at one point to save you, why wouldn't he continue to do great work in your life today? If he is powerful enough to save you, he is also powerful enough to each day walk with you and use you to make a difference in the world we believe if we're Christians that God can do all things we do believe I would hope that God could do great things in the days ahead but the question is will we be able to see them God is at work but sadly many of us may not be seeing that work We may not have the light of Christ shining in our lives today in a bright enough fashion, with enough lumens, as it were, for us to see what's going on around us. So here's the question. How can we prepare our hearts to see more clearly the work God is doing around us? And I believe that it is this this, uh, song of Mary, the Magnificat, that helps give us a lens, as it were, to see a little bit better what it means for God to be at work. Some have said this is an outburst of praise, but I want you to realize there are times when a person is really uh, in in a mood, in a moment, and God just kind of pours out on you, and you have a moment of inspiration. But when I read the Magnificat, what I see is it's not just a moment of inspiration. This song is built on a life of contemplation. Mary was able to be blessed as she was because she was a person who spent a lot of time in the presence of God. And those who spend a lot of time in the presence of God are more apt to see God at work. And so that's my goal today, is to encourage you, to remind you and encourage you that God is at work and you can be a part of that. You can see where God is at work, and I believe if you can see where God is at work, You need to get where that work is, and God wants to use each and every one of you for his sake, for his purpose, and for the kingdom. So let's begin by looking at verses 46 through 48. I want to show you a couple things. There's a couple technical elements of this text that are helpful, but mostly what we're going to see today is just a very practical expression of what it means to be in the center of God's will, to be right where you need to be so that you can be a difference maker for Jesus. We have plenty of people in America professing Christ, but we don't have a great number of people magnifying Christ and amplifying Christ, and that's the problem. So notice this, people who walk with God, amplify and magnify the presence and power of God in this world. And I believe that Mary was chosen as Jesus' mom because she was a magnifier of God. In other words, her life helped people look to Jesus, the light of the world, but Mary's life also amplified the goodness of God in the world, and that's more of a sound word. I think her example shows us that our voice matters, that when we have God-centeredness, It's kind of like a microphone. You're able to hear me a little bit better, and that's good because usually in the second service, my voice is pretty weak. I have amplification. You can hear me a little bit better. Obviously, when we think about mass media, that amplifies voices to go in houses all around the world. I want you to know, though, that we can have a voice that's heard in every home in the world, but that may not be for good. The only way it's good is when it's magnified by the Holy Spirit. People change when the Holy Spirit is at work, and the Holy Spirit is always pointing us to this simple fact. Jesus is Lord. No one, nothing, can cause you to say it and mean it like the Spirit of God. When we say Jesus is Lord by the power of the Spirit, that is the power of salvation. But Jesus is Savior, but he is also Lord, and he wants to work through our lives, and he wants us To have a soul that magnifies. This song is both calm and measured, as some have said, but it is still this beautiful expression. The word magnifies here, to go back to my point a moment ago that there was something more than just a moment of, of inspiration. The verb tense here shows habitual practice. In other words, she is not just magnifying the Lord in this one moment. She has been magnifying the Lord all of her life. Mary regularly magnified God. I also want you to look in the text with me, and I want you to see two key words here about who Mary is. It says it comes from her soul and spirit. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices, verse 47, in God my Savior. So what we see here is, is that we're getting a look into Mary's heart of hearts. So this is important because in our world today, uh, we can sort of put a face on, a mask on, and let the world see what we want them to see. Christians, sadly, are really good at putting on masks and saying that they're fine. There's a Greek word for this, hypocrite. Hypocrite just means putting on a mask. Now, I know that word is a strong and ugly word, but really all it means is putting on a mask. And think how often you're putting on a face to the world that's not truly representative of your heart. But what we see in Mary's song is a snapshot of her heart. But that snapshot is beautiful because she has been in the presence of the Lord. She is a person who magnifies. In verse 46, that word magnifies in the Greek is megalunai. And you hear at the very beginning of that word, a, a word we know in English, mega. And it just has the uh, context of something big, to make great, to praise, to extol. It's, it's, it's language that lifts up. And it's showing that God is doing a big work in Mary's life, and she is able to see it. Now, I want you to realize that what God was doing in Mary's life has, has a ripple effect for the nation of Israel. We're going to see more about that here in the bottom half of the song, uh, verse 54 in particular. But it, it really reverberates well beyond Israel to the whole world. And so this is what I want you to get. And I hope every one of you, regardless of your age or where you're at in your walk with the Lord, listen to this. God does big things through regular people. Some of the most amazing people I've met in my journey are little grandmas and grandpas in country churches that I pastored as a young man, uh, people who whose names will never be known in any kind of way in terms of fame uh, in this world, but they were prayer warriors. And many people came to know Jesus at vacation Bible schools and in Sunday school classes and in just... Uh, speaking to neighbors and taking cookies to neighbors like some of you did this weekend. Just little simple acts of kindness They were used in a mighty way by God, and they were just regular people. And this is something that the Lord keeps impressing on my heart. There are many of you who would just say, I am not ever going to be one of the leaders. I don't have any aspirations to be on the stage. I don't have any musical abilities, nothing like that. And and so I don't really know, Pastor Jeremy, if I believe you, but I want you to know, you don't have to have a visible role to have a kingdom role. The most important thing is, is that you need to be willing to allow God's light to open your eyes to see where he's at work. I promise you, God saved you for a reason. He saved you to make a difference. And if you will allow the Spirit of God to guide you, your life will become more powerful, poignant, and meaningful in the days ahead. Verse 48, Mary says, For he, God, has looked On the humble estate of his servant. Mary is not boastful in this song at all. In fact, this is a woman living in a hamlet out in the middle of nowhere, just barely a place where a couple of dusty crossroads would have crossed. There would have only been maybe a few dozen settlements, homes in this area. The archaeology of this area is fascinating. In fact, um, this is just kind of an interesting side note. Uh, They think they know exactly where. Uh, the home, boyhood home of Jesus is. Have you heard this before? It's not a well known fact, but there was a basilica built over this site and it all fits. Uh, there's a very good uh, uh, possibility, probability that that site exists and you can see the very spot, but what you would see there is not grand or grandiose in any way because Mary was from a very poor poor family. And she lived in what we would consider abject poverty. Yes, yeah, she did have a pretty uh, famous background. She was a direct descendant of King David. You know how it is if you're, if you're related to somebody in your family tree, kind of famous, you know, if you're at a party or something like that, you'll kind of elbow and say, guess who, you know, is in my family tree. And then someone will say, well, you know, so. But uh, let, let me say this. When it came to the Romans, do you think the Romans cared if Mary was a descendant of King David? Probably not. That didn't mean anything to them. And she was a very humble lady. And it, it, it's very evident that she understands this. But she was graced by God. And she knows, verse 48, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She understands that, not because of what she's going to do, but because of what God did in her One of the things we have to get in our minds is Mary was a very special woman, but she was special because she was humble. And her song points to God. Kelsey mentioned it earlier. It's not about what we do for God. It's first and foremost that we are glorifying God in everything. Those who glorify God will be blessed by God, will get to see God work and maybe even be significantly a part of that work. But that should not be the goal. The goal should not be, Lord, I want to get everything right so that I can go out and do great things. No, we want God to be magnified. Mary understands that that's what true blessings are. We should not seek to do great things for God. We should simply submit to the will of God. Now, I want you to get this right. It's not that God won't do great things. I believe I've said that to you already. I believe that God wants to do great things through you. But the important thing is, is you must first submit to to the will of God. I think we get this backwards sometimes. I think well in a well-meaning way, you know you'll come to a service like this and you'll be under conviction maybe that you're not walking the walk, the path that God wants for you. You know that you've got a calling in your life. But what you'll do is you'll say, okay, I'm gonna do anything so I don't have to feel this guilt anymore. And you go out and you just try to do work for the kingdom. But first, hear my heart and listen to me well. Submit your heart to God before you try to do anything for God. Learn to worship God, we're gonna talk about that next. Learn to magnify and amplify him. Be humble, submit to him, and then you will see what God is doing. And when you get involved, you will be filled with the power of God. Get this right. It's so important. The best way to magnify God's message is to have a humble heart before God. And we need more people bowing a knee to Jesus than we need more people launching uh, into or out into ministry ventures. Over the years, I've watched people come into churches and, and and even new Christians but sometimes it's people who've been Christians a long time and and they're more worried about what they're going to do next for Jesus instead of worshiping Jesus now why would we do that well we do that because doing something feels like it's more purposeful it makes us feel like that maybe we're we're, we're being more obedient but the first step of obedience I believe is a life of worship a life of humbling oneself before God. If we start there, then the work we do will be powerful and used by God in ways that we could never imagine. And that's where I want to drop next is on this idea of a spirit rejoicing. In fact, it's just in verse 47 that we see this a word and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. That word rejoices is the worship word obviously in that verse. And I just want to say to you that as we think about worship today, we have so many distractions. Getting people to come to worship in a post-COVID world has been more and more difficult. It, it's not just being sick. Sometimes we're afraid of others who are sick. We're, we, we now are, I was in a store yesterday doing some Christmas shopping and the guy was coughing next to me and, and uh, he was uh, working there and just apologized and apologized and I understand why he He felt like maybe he was intruding with his germs or whatever. And I'm like, man, I'm around Baptists all the time. I'm pretty much immune to everything, I think. But uh, nonetheless, we just kind of live in a world that's different. I think now we're more apt to to, to go online and watch, and I understand that. But I want you just to think about something here. This rejoicing that Mary does, I've already said, it is uh, contingent upon her personal worship okay like I do worry that some Christians they have a Sunday morning encounter with Jesus they may have a Wednesday night encounter with Jesus but I'm wondering if they're getting much Jesus Monday Tuesday Thursday Friday Saturday you following me we need to have a moment every day where we are entering into the presence of Jesus whether it be in our in our Bibles or in our time of prayer all that is important But let me say this, not just because I'm the pastor and not just because I want to see the numbers go up, which that'd be fine if they do. But we have to realize that coming together, being together in worship is a key part of the experience. If we are serious about seeing God at work, we need to be with God's people. We need to have spirits that are trained to rejoice. Why? Because when our private walk with the Lord interacts and intermingles with the rest of the body of Christ, we all get better. You get better, I get better. I think it clarifies who we are in Christ, and we need the body of Christ to do that. So notice this, Mary's private worship impacted an entire nation. In fact, all generations from her time until the present. This is an important thing. When your personal walk with Jesus is right, it is something that does have a positive impact in the body. God uses individuals filled with the Spirit to then be used in the church to fortify the church and make her stronger in Jesus. That's why we worship. That's why it is important. There are no excuses, none. None that are good enough to stay away from worship for long periods of time. When you do that, you are so much in a place where you're not going to see more clearly the work of God. I believe her humility, Mary's humility, just is all over this song. She knows she is not the Savior, for she cries out in this song as one in need of salvation. She knows that God will save her, she understands the need that she has to be saved. At the very heart of true worship corporate worship is our acknowledgement that without jesus we would have nowhere to go we give glory to god and we need to realize no matter how many years ago we were saved from our sins we need to keep our salvation at the center of our worship life when we keep our salvation at the center of our heart then every day we are thankful every day we are grateful every day we point people to Jesus. Mary knows she is bearing the one who will rescue the world from their sins. We know this because Luke 131 tells us this and also Matthew 1.21. So think about this. To see God at work around us, to believe in his miracle working power, we must always remember the miracle of our own salvation and also a heart that never loses the joy of their salvation Will be a heart that never misses the work of god around them so we come to worship and we rediscover joy every time we worship and as we rediscover joy i believe that's how god opens our eyes to what's going on around us it gives us that lens in which to see what's going on in the world one more thing about that word rejoices it's in the aorist tense which means it is a moment in time So in this moment, this is a very particular moment where her heart is filled with the joy of her salvation. The joy is, is that the salvation has come to the world. That's the joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. That's where that line is inspired from, this moment when Mary rejoices. Now, we've talked about the need to be In a place where we can magnify and amplify God and his work. that Extolling his glory. We've also talked about the need to rejoice and to worship. To make sure that we have an outlet for that magnification and amplification. But now I want you to focus with me for just a few moments on the the main body of this text. Verses 49 through 55 as we see a mighty God at work. I cannot say this enough. The majority of Mary's song focuses on who God is. First, Mary tells us what God has done in verses 46 through 48. Notice, again, I'll pick up in verse 48. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. But look at verse 49. Notice it speaks of his might. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name and his Mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. I want you to see three, three pictures of God just in those couple of verses. Now, it goes on all the way down to verse 55. But let me point out three things. It's not on the screen, but three things Mary tells us about God. Mary tells us about God's power, about his holiness, and about his mercy. Those are the three images that Mary's song gives us of God. And what we want to see here is that Mary is is not trying to bring the attention to her. In traditions, some traditions do. They put the attention on Mary here. And what's so sad about that? And I'm not trying to be critical of other churches and denominations, but hear my heart here. When you take Mary's song and make Mary the focus, you've done an injustice to Mary. She is a humble woman praising God. And if you praise her and see her as the focus of this, that is the exact opposite of the intent. She was blessed. God chose her for a reason. And she must have been one of the most amazing women in the world. But what's so amazing about this woman is how much she loved God. And how much she wanted to sing to her God and to tell us who her God is. And notice... How holy God brings mercy down to sinful people God is so powerful that he chose to send his only begotten son to the earth in the flesh to be crucified and to die for our sins he's so powerful that he wasn't afraid to put his son on a cross for the sake of the world so what we see is there are two reasons why he did that God knew that we needed a holy sacrifice. We needed forgiveness from sin. And the only way to do that was through a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice. Uh, Bulls and goats, sheep, uh, birds, none of those animals, none of those creatures were good enough to atone for all of our sins. We had to have the blood, the perfect blood of Jesus. We see that. And that's because we are unholy and he is holy. And God's mercy, mercy is evident. His love is evident because how else could we be saved? This holy God has declared war on all things unholy. And let me tell you, um, that's our job is to realize that if we say we want to follow Jesus, we need to strive for holiness in our lives. You see, God is powerful, but he's also holy. And he demands that we be holy as he is holy. So this is why we have the word of God as our baseline for morality and ethics. When you talk to your friends uh, about truth, when you're talking about ethics with people who are not believers, they all have to land somewhere. Everybody believes something is right and something is wrong. The problem is, if you don't have what God's word says, you're going to kind of make it up. You're gonna listen to the voices around you and you're gonna say, well, I think this is right and I think this is wrong. But that is just an opinion. We wanna have facts when it comes to what it means to do the right thing. And God's word has shown us the way. And I'll tell you what God's word does. It shows us that we've done a lot of wrong things. And we know that God has declared war on all things unholy. We know that Jesus had to suffer and die because of our unholiness And we know that Jesus was willing to do it. That he became the suffering servant so that we could be saved. Listen to this. Jesus will fight for us, but he will always keep it holy. Jesus doesn't fight unfair. He fights by the rules. And so Jesus came to die for our sins because those were the rules. Sin requires a sacrifice. We could not sacrifice our own flesh and blood and still live, but he who was perfect he who was holy, when he was nailed to that cross, when he died for our sins, it released enough holiness for all of us. But you must believe. Think about the amazing bookends on the story of the gospel. Here is a wooden representation of a humble manger. When Jesus was first brought into the world, he was first laid down. His back would have been on the humble wood of a trough, of a manger. And think of how he ended his story here on earth. His back on the humble wood of a cross. You see how that works? The Son of God, the perfect one, the Holy Lamb of God came down and became sin for us. And that's why 1 John 1, 7 puts it it this way. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. That's power, God's power, God's holiness, and God's mercy, all wrapped up into one. You are saved by those things. But let me say this the powerful have no power without the blood, and the powerless have endless power by the blood. You see that in verses 52 and 53. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. God is able to do incredible things. And I want you to realize this again. Let me repeat. If God was powerful enough to save you from your sins, he is powerful enough to work in your life today. Don't Drop the ball here. Don't take this gift, the power of God, the holiness of God, the mercy of God, and make it to no effect. Too many people are squandering the gift that God has given them. Let that not be said of you. God wants you, your heart, and he wants all of it. Let me give you a few things to remember as we walk away from this today. God is at work, but know this. God does things different. This story shows us that God doesn't do things the way that we might think. In the land of Israel in those days, Herod the Great um, had built up some of the biggest palaces and some of the biggest um, uh, civic works that had ever been in that part of the world. Herod had castles on the sea. He had castles in Jerusalem. He had a temple built that was a wonder of the world. There were many places of great honor and distinction in the land of Israel where Jesus could have been born, but he was not born in any of those places. He was born in Bethlehem in basically a barn. God does things different. Let me say this, don't assume you know what God is doing in your life. If you let more light shine, you may see that what God wants to do is different than what you've ever thought possible, but it'll be good. In fact, God does big things through humble people. That's the second point. Notice this, God does things different and the more humble you are, I think the more you'll be in tune with the big things of God. When you humble your heart before the Lord, Mary's song shows us that that's what magnifies the power of God. A third thing that we see today is worship tunes our hearts to hear God speak and focuses our eyes to see God move. If you are serious about being used of God in a big way, then you need to worship God In a big way. And finally, the blood of Jesus is God's treasure given to you. A gift beyond compare. What a blessing we have. If you are here today and you are a believer in Jesus, do you realize how amazing that gift is? And what's what's more amazing is, is that the gift of salvation is just the beginning. The beginning of the blessings. If you will humble yourself this morning... I just am curious how many of you are are right where God wants you. How many of you have put yourself in a place through prayer, through the word, through worship, to be in the place where you can most magnify God? You know, the Hubble Space Telescope was put up several years ago, and they put it up there. And because of one tiny error, the lens was out of focus just by fractions of a fraction of an inch. But that blurriness to fix it cost tens of millions of dollars i don't know who's responsible for that and got the got the bill on that but that's a bad deal i just want you to think about this it is so easy to get out of focus we can have the best of intentions and then quickly have lives out of focus and if your lens of spirituality is out of focus you're missing much of what God is doing, but if you allow the Spirit to come into your heart, and He's already there, but you've got to put Him in the place of primacy. You've got to put Him in first place, and when you do that, then you'll see more clearly all the things that God wants to do. God is at work, and I just wonder if some of you have maybe not seen Him working in a long time. Well, now is the time to come and humble yourself, to pray, to seek the face of God. And He will give you that light by which we see all light. He will open your eyes and He will rock your world because that's what happens. Just as Mary's life was completely rocked by this message, it led to this great song, but it led to, I think, some of the most. Beautiful, beautiful ministry. The most beautiful ministry in all the world. But you know, Jesus told us that we would do greater things. He wants you to do greater things. He wants you to magnify God. What a shame to think that we would go through our lives and miss this moment. Not see the light. Not see God at work. If you are afraid that that's where you are, and this time in the altar is for you. Yeah, Christmas is the season of lights, but what good are all those other lights if the light of Christ isn't the brightest one? Let's make it so today. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us, or get connected, visit ridgecrestbaptist.org.